Hello, and you're listening to Let's Drone Out. And special thank you to our lovely patrons that help donate so that we can pay the editor to remove the swear words and silly things we say. Massive thank you to... Carlos Campos. Art Faulkner. Sam Dharma. On with the show. Let's Drone Out. Hello, and you're listening to Let's Drone Out. Tonight, we are hopefully talking about lots of lovely INAV things, and we've got a special guest. Is it B1 Full <laughs> Becky Tech? It's, it's just Blecky, or just say Mark. It's also good. <laughs> Blackie, yeah. Um, everyone's favourite, uh, Curry Kitten. Hello. The man with the moustache, Stephen. Cheers. Hello. And I'm bright until I fly. Hello and welcome. Let's start the show. Uh, yep, Stephen, this is uh, a show <laughs> that was arranged and sorted out by you. So if you'd like to take the yeah. lead. So I uh, talked to, to Mark originally. I think I uh, picked an argument with Mark to be more accurate on one of his YouTube videos. And then we had a really nice chat and uh, it seems a, a great guy and he's doing a lot of stuff with INAV, doing some very interesting things with wings. There's some interesting radio work that he's looked at. So he's, he's done flying via uh, 2G modems and things like this. Um, he's just showing us his 3D printed plane. So I think we've got a lot of very interesting wing talk and kind of seeing what the cutting edge INAV stuff is going to be in the next release as well. So looking forward to interesting wing things. Yeah. It does feel weird not having Pavel here. And talking about INAV, it feels wrong. Should I have emailed him? <laughs> <laughs> I we can talk to him want. again. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Pavel also has a lot of other things in his head right now. He wants to hmm. die down a little bit. So, uh, well, specifically, yeah, but... he was talking to Mark because he's running this INAV fixed wing group, right? So, he's actually going and organizing a group, and they've got a monthly very long form podcast a couple of hours long where they go really in depth about wing things so that's yeah the idea is that the one with falling with style yeah mr d falling with style is also in there yeah so yeah what we what do we want to talk about first <laughs> tell us first about this very first plane you flew because you were just showing us yeah. it and you said the first plane i flew was, was 3D, 3D printed, printed plane. and the first thing you did was oh, reverse yeah. the ailerons and i can't think how they wouldn't have splintered into a million pieces yeah i mean the plane did splint into a million pieces uh, after a very short flight i think the advantage i had was it was my first flight i never trained in a simulator whatsoever uh all my stick field that's I an had advantage at this situation yes because all my <laughs> all my um uh, stick feel i had was for basically from video games and um so i was actively thinking what i'm doing and that's why i r really fast recognize that something is wrong and it could could just rethink in my head if you build up the muscle memory that's nearly impossible um true then there's no chance to control it uh, inverted. I just can uh, check out or look up my video. I have it on YouTube somewhere. Um, yeah, it was a 3D printed uh, Spitfire. It's, I think, 90 millimeter in uh, wingspan from 3D Leprint. And that was my entry in the RC or RC Let's just pause there for a second. Because a lot of people start with very basic, easy craft. You started with a 3D printed plane. Like the first thing out the gate, you're like, what I need to start with is something that's 3D printed. Not exactly a traditional approach to plane flying. Don't start 3D printed. <laughs> I learned from that definitely. Don't don't do it because your first landings will be relatively hard and the 3D prints cannot really do that. I mean, there are some exceptions. For example, small things like uh, this one uh, printed in low weight PLA. Uh, low weight PLA has the advantage it's uh, pretty flexible compared to a normal PLA. So you can 
you see you can easy press it in it it's it's wow. like a okay. uh, thick paper basically it feels like th thick paper and it doesn't break that easily compared to a hard printed pla uh this stuff can hold up more but it's nothing compared to uh foam for example and yeah if, if, if you want i can uh, i found the video i can show you the uh clip from yeah, my first just, uh, first yeah. ever rc flight so yeah it, it was complete crap hardware the uh the motor had desyncs at full throttle but it's in the air for quite a long time so far that's a good sign mm. it was also not the not the best idea to uh print it in transparent pla <laughs> Oh yeah, hard to track against the sun. Oh, good luck with the uh, yeah line oh, of sight. It's gone. Oh no, it's and back. then it's there was the a wind gust from the left. Oh, and instinctively, instinctively, I corrected into the wrong direction, and uh, yeah, that was the end of that flight. But yeah, it was my first RC flight ever, and I have some memories from it. It was still more impressive than mine because <laughs> mine went instantly into the ground. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> That's that's hard. I mean, I I have rebuilt it. Uh, re I mean, the print time uh, on a single printer is about three days, and at this time I was uh, visiting my parents uh, over a holiday week, and I just printed a new one there. Basically, I I I drove back home, get got my printer back to my parents to print the new plane there. <laughs> And then I tried again. Um, I think I, f I flew then. Yeah, like, it's great having you home with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I at least uh, did, I think, one pack flight on the second try um, that got some damage during landing. And uh, I think a few weeks later, I looked for uh, for Model RC or RC Plane Club, actually, with a landing field and a nice meadow uh, to land in. Uh, and there the guys told me how to fly an RC plane. And after that, it was much easier. <laughs> what was the trick? Yeah, the trick was basically uh, repeated. Just fly circuits first. Very simple things. No crazy stuff. Don't change directions. Just fly really in a circuit in one direction first for, for a whole time. Then the other direction. And then you get a feel... Uh, about the flying especially if you fly towards you that then the controls are actually inverted so just step by step i just wanted too much with that plane and they were impressed that it's even possible to 3d print rc planes uh, but they also said it won't last long and i think the uh, one of the guys there uh, he did the first flight in the field completely uh, launch a few rounds then landing second flight he launched gave me the radio i was flying he was landing and basically step by step and then i trained the landing and at the end i flew completely alone so what was your journey yeah. from then to go from that to fpv and then all the advanced dynav stuff that you're doing now uh, from that, uh, I basically then switched into quads because uh, I wasn't aware that there are uh, there is really stuff with RC planes and fix or these foam RC planes. I wasn't really aware of them. So um, the reason, basically, why I even started with RC was uh, I was sick at home uh, for two weeks. Um, I binge watched youtube whatever it suggested to me and at one point i suddenly saw an advertisement or a review video of the anet a8 3d printer and i found this 3d printing actually so cool that i ordered one mm. because it was cheap and then i had that printer and i thought okay now i have it what else can i do than printing cubes <laughs> and uh, this is how i started uh, to think okay i wanted to have an rc plane some years in the past already as a child uh and then i looked for it and i found out okay you can print one then i had this first experience with the plane and then i came over quads and then started with that uh but after a while i just by the way also 3d printed quads so 3d printed frames and everything <laughs> they will definitely um, break can tell you that yeah they did a few times so i went through a few iterations uh, of different frames i tried and uh from there then uh i found out hey there are fixed rings uh that are made of foam that are pretty crash resistant 
And that's when I bought my first RC plane and that was an AR Pro. Back then I looked on the internet, uh, tried to compare something cheap I can smash, I can damage, that doesn't hurt. So I was deciding between the S800 and the AR Pro back then. Oh no, the AR Wing 900. And at the end it was the uh, AR900 just because of the bigger bay and less hassle to install stuff. And yeah, so I got the AR900, uh, I looked up for flight controllers, found a wing flight controller, easy setup, I throw everything in, FlySky i6 radio with an uh, uh, X8B receiver, and yeah, I went out and fl uh, flew it. Does any of this sound familiar to you, Curry? All these wing models mean nothing to me, I'm more of a quad guy. <laughs> yes, they mean things. <laughs> But it, it's all it's all pretty much the same. It, it, like foamies are several different styles. One is wing type, like that. The other is your more sort of um, traditional plane type stuff, like okay. the pixel on the wall behind. So that guy looks like. like it's intended for FPV. It's got a really massive nose to shove cameras in, right? Yeah, I mean they're they're much more useful. Base base is what it's all about. When I started off. Um, I started flying an AXN, and that's because good old Bruce did a video about how to build one, but there was so little space. You had to chop it down just to fit a 2200 mm. battery in, and then you had to try and crush sort of a camera somewhere in a VTX. If you want to do any sort of AP, it's like, where's that going to sit? It's not going to sit in. So these modern wings having these huge bays, which can take humongous batteries and a place for a flight controller and cutouts for a camera already and nice sort of trailing for the ESCs and even have wing slots cut for your like receiver GPS and stuff. Just uh, much, much better. Just built, built for purpose these days. So fun fact, this is my third AR Ring 900 because after a while they just get damaged or smashed or whatever and I rebuild it a few times. And it's still the exact same flight controller I had in my first one after now four years or five years uh still working um and nowadays i just use this one as a enough development test platform basically for wings and i just bought a uh, build a big slot 2 with an uh, f405 wse flight controller basically the newer smaller variant of that one uh to have also a test platform uh with a normal rc play or a normal plane design with elevator and rudder and I crammed it full of sensors just for things uh, we might develop in the future uh, for iNav and test that out. So F405 is the way to go then in general. You've got an F405 STD or something, the original one? Uh, no, I don't have many quad fly controllers. I haven't uh, in my old test platform plane that was... I'm just trying to remember what the early version of that wing controller was called. The Matic. Yeah, I, I, I think it, it was basically a four or five STD yeah, standard. Mm, okay, that was the uh, quad version. Uh, I, I mean, you see, if, if you watch what flight controllers Matic has released over the last years, they have really focused on fixed rings. Mm. That's their their top notch yeah, yeah. Uh, the form area. factor is on not the... quad at all. The form factor is this odd kind of dual stack thing that you couldn't yeah. fit into any quad frame really. Yeah, they have quad flight controllers, of course, uh, but I think the community, uh, the quad community has completely uh, focused on the big quad brands like Diatone, uh, uh, DJB flight controllers, for example, sometimes even Omnibus uh, that uh, and Holy Bro. I, I think these are so the top flight controllers that are used in the quad uh, community less uh, may take. I give up trying to fish around. I've got an H743 somewhere on this bench, which I intend to put into a quad, a Matek one, because I think it's it's actually the best yeah. 20 millimeter H7 controller you can get. You can't get, you get that and a T-Motor H7 at 20 mil. And the T-Motor, it, it looks okay. It's got a single gyro, the Matex dual gyro. The T-Motor has direct VBAT, Going out to the VTX, that's got a the Matex got a ten volt back on it or an eight volt back. It's a really nice flight controller, but very expensive at the but moment. That, as well. that, that dual, 
The dual gyro is actually interesting uh, because I still wonder why Maytag even does dual gyros. Because uh, I remember from the F765 uh, ring flight controller, that's this gyro one fusion. This uh, big baby. Uh, no flight control software does gyro fusion, not even autopilot. Beta flight does. Really? Okay, mm. I didn't know that. Uh, Okay, in, in this case, of course, it makes sense. On the ring flight controller, it makes a little bit less sense. Maybe uh, they thought enough might get it in the future. <laughs> you can also look, and if one of them has like loads of noise problems for whatever reason, maybe it's mm -hmm. had a little damage, then you can just swap to the other one without replacing the board. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the, F, the F765 has an MPU 6000 and an ICM 211 something, and the ICM is absolute garbage. It's unusable, even on fixed rings. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's my concern. They keep changing the gyros on the Matek boards. They're up to like version three now, and you have to check. And like this one has these two gyros. The next version has two other gyros. And the third version has two other gyros. And it's like trying to memorize phone numbers. It's, it's challenging. Yeah, but, but, but it's actually only a problem on the H7 uh, flight controllers. The other ones are pretty much consistent. Um, the... Yeah, I think uh, they are all using ICM 4.8 something uh, right now. They are all using the current AC ICM gyros. Yeah, I can't remember the number. It's like 4.866P or something. 42688P, I think. Yeah, the only, the only ex uh, exemption uh, is the F411WTE that uses the Bosch BMI 270 gyro. Where do they get these names from? What does WTE mean? I was trying to decipher their weird uh, f411w for wing, wing and yeah. te third edition third edition what third edition not three like w3 no would that be too that's, easy that's the uh <laughs> f411 wing then was the wse for ring second edition the small one and the wte is the one with the USB-C connector <laughs> that's not helpful <laughs> that's weird it's it, yeah. it's it, it's even more funny with the whoa, F405. Whoa. F405 wing is the one here. F405 WSE is the smaller one with the external USB. Then it's F405 WTE for the third edition. That's the one with uh, Express LIS on, uh, and Wi-Fi on top. Mm -hmm. All Wi-Fi. And there is the... Uh, uh, yeah, Express LIS or Wi-Fi. You can switch the firmware. Yeah. I, I was um, under the illusion it could do both for a while and I found out, no, it cannot. Yeah. I just ordered my first one, and there is the F405 WM, uh, no, WMN, that's the Ring Mini. <laughs> mm, it does not compute. Did, did you do HDTE? And there's TE. <laughs> well, that hasn't got a W in the name, so it's not for a wing, is it, surely? So yeah. that's high definition third edition. Oh my word, yeah. why don't they just use numbers? The HD versions, of course, have no OSD chip, and that's also mm. the third edition. Oh my god, mm. this is... It's, no, <laughs> it's like Alphabet Soup, isn't it? It might as well be. They're great boards. They really are very well made, but my word, the numbers... They the are numbers slightly are hard numbers to choose. Once you've chosen one, it's just like, oh, I know how this one works, I want to buy this one again, and then they sort of... Oh, they've, Stop they've making stopped it. making that one now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just finding a new one. Yeah. I mean, I have a big variety of uh, Matek boards now, but that's mostly because there's a new board coming out, and I asked uh, Samson, hey, uh, this and this looks nice, or I have a question, it, do you want one? Okay. <laughs> and then he sends it to me. So th th this is mostly the, via uh, the reason why I have so many different Matek boards. Usually I just bought buy the F405 series uh, or the F765 for bigger planes, and that's it. I haven't, I haven't once seen an H7 board. Yeah, I'm just a sucker for the shiny. So I, I decided there wasn't much difference between a four, an F7 and an H7, so I started to buy H7s. But something else I, I noticed um, on your channel is you had this incredible flight that you'd done where you were controlling the wing over GSM. Could you tell us how you got there? Um yeah, uh, this this was not controlling the plane over GSM. Uh, the GSM just delivers the telemetry to oh, okay. me. What I did is I was making um, 
uh, waypoint mission that I flew out of the city because I launched in that park. Back then I didn't have a car, so I had to fly somewhere in that park that I can reach uh, by foot or by, uh, by a tram. And yeah, from there I flew a waypoint mission and there's a GSM module It's called uh, with a firmware on it that is called Bullet GCSS. And uh, this ba module basically is an ESP32 board with a SIM module on it. As I think it's a SIM 700L or SIM 800L, I'm not sure right now. Um, connects to your internet provider and sends the data out to a C how's it called um qtt server and from there it's uh, the data are just shown on a website where you have basically a full telemetry screen exactly that yeah <clears throat> so this is just a website this feature this qtt support is also implemented in the uh in the multi-replanner ground control station software that only runs on linux or on uh, windows 11 with the linux subsystem and you can basically follow your plane from there. At this stage in the development, there is no way to send any commands to the plane. So it's only uh, for no monitoring and getting yeah, telemetry. telemetry. Okay. No, nah, nah. it's uh, running over MSP. Uh, there are plans to implement some basic commands back to the plane, like just trigger a return to home, for example, or similar stuff, not active control because it's just too slow for that. Um, but uh, yeah, the developer unfortunately didn't have much time over the last year, so there wasn't any progress. But it's still it is fantastic. Working. I mean, for our audio viewers, we're looking at a web page, Bullet GCSS, that's showing something that has a map display on one side with the current location, and the other side shows the telemetry that you're getting back, uh, similar to kind of the Yapu telemetry screen. So you've got your horizon lines heading voltages your location and gps coordinates satellite numbers the distance to home battery and all that and the effect is pretty impressive for a, a basic open source project that is still under development i mean yeah <laughs> yeah i can't i can't fault this thing it's it's a ton better than what you can get off a radio it really makes you think about some of the possibilities once you start to just shove data through a mobile phone why before that flight i did another project uh, with my talent gt and it was flying a more than 70 kilometer long waypoint mission with it and that was out of reach of my radio link so uh, it was planned far away from any populated area, low altitude, completely autonomous flying. And I knew that at some point uh, the RC link will drop. The video link was gone because I was basically flying behind a hill that is close to me. And uh, I had no feedback at all if the plane was even still flying uh, until I think it took 22 minutes until I saw the first glimpse of FPV signal on my monitor back. And that was such a big relief. And for such kind of things, this project uh, is actually perfect. This is the bit where the GPS data ducks out, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. It, it, this module, it's a very cheap one. I think it was 20, 25 bucks or so. Uh, it's only 2G connection. And uh, 2G here in Germany is was ever and is still very unstable so the I next time i don't even time, know if we have 2g still i think uk has 2g already uh completely disabled yeah as far as i know but you can get 3g ones it's like just 3D like 3d to edge or something more. doesn't it and then it gets worse yeah from there. yeah there, there are 4g modules as well but they are a little bit heavier a little bit bigger and uh they cost like four times that mm. uh, of the 2g module and uh, just for an experiment i decided to go for the 2g yeah. one the benefits the of going for 3G or 4G would be you're talking to multiple towers. With 2G, you talk to a single tower and you send data to that tower. And when you're out of range, you need to change towers. You've got to stop sending data, connect to another tower, and then start sending data. Whereas with 3G and 4G, that handover is more seamless. You're connecting to multiple different towers. So yeah. when you go out of range of one, you don't have this black spot where you freeze for a second before you move to the next tower. I think the interesting yeah. idea flying a waypoint mission like that is, of course, you have to set your aircraft to say, in the event of a foul safe, carry on going because you, you've lost your radio signal, mm -hmm. obviously, but you have you then have to trust that your waypoint's going to continue 
and uh, well at least you're at least you're able to yeah. track it i bet you've never watched a screen quite so intently as as you are when you're watching <laughs> I mean, this, something fly away that far this this yeah this was not the pl- blind version so, uh, the blind flight the blind fly flight was a few months earlier um so here i had complete control but indeed yeah when i lost the control and i just had my fpv feed and my telemetry i really stared at that monitor and even more problematic was back then i used the r9 on accst protocol and there was this nasty r9 or fr skype uh, accst bug that if you regain connection after a phase save there is like a 20 percent chance that uh, half of your rc channels glitch to zero <laughs> for a short moment on reconnect yeah. and this can actually cause a disarm of the plane or a mode switch and uh, yeah that's not funny yeah that's not fun no, that's not fun that's why uh, during that long range mission where i knew i would not have our ceiling i flew out to a point where I still had a stable connection and then I pulled the module of my radio to intentionally cause a face save myself because when you go into face save everything is fine the problem is if you return to f- uh, from the face save mm-hmm. and then I r- let it fly until it came back and I had stable video and only after I had stable video I plugged the module back in and this was when the glitch happened and the plane went out of uh, um, out of mission mode into acro but luckily at this point at that point I could take over and manually trigger return to home <laughs> and and people wonder why R9 didn't catch on Wow. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I use Access now for for two years, and with Access, you don't have these problems anymore. Access just works. <laughs> You're actually still using the R9 software on an R9. You haven't just gone to Express LRS on it then. <laughs> we we had wow. this discussion nope. <laughs> a while back. I, I think I yeah. agree with Mark on many things, but I'm skeptical on this point. <laughs> I think skeptical is the correct word. I mean, I I, I know Express LRS works for many people, but also Express LRS had... Uh, issues in the past yeah, we had uh, in the in the Aina fixed string group we had on uh, on express LRS 3.0 shortly after release and i think 2.6 something or so uh, we have three lost planes because of express LRS. there was there seemed to be a bug that if you face safe at a uh, at a big distance for example then you regain control after a few minutes after regaining control the receiver just locked up it didn't it didn't report a face after the flight controller it just locked up all channels and if you are in acro at this point uh the plane will just go down at set throttle and crash Ooh, that's we had three people okay. uh that had that problem uh did you report th- the bug did they find out why uh we never we, we never couldn't replicate it Actually, we didn't want to replicate it. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if the people yeah, yeah. have replicated. I mean, it wasn't my planes. Uh, we just got a report. It would be that. interesting to see why. I know the developers were keeping yeah. the modules connected across, like uh, through brick walls and things, and leaving them running for 24 hours to test that they worked and stuff like this. But I hadn't heard of that. That's really interesting. I wonder what would cause that. No idea. So yeah, the, the, this is basically the stuff I uh, mostly do with uh, uh, fixed rings. I love long-range flying and uh, just testing out what's possible, where are the actual limits. My my furthest distance for long-range flights so far was 32 kilometers. And uh, I just had to turn around because... Okay, you will off now because uh, uh, our ceiling uh, issues... <laughs> But that was not R9's fault. That was because I really completely messed up the antenna installation. I have the... basically put the... Sorry, I was going to say, what's the total flight distance you're doing on these flights? I can see the home distance, but how many uh, kilometers are you doing? On this flight, I have no idea. Uh, but usually when I do a long-range flight, the, with the Talon GT, that blind flight was, I think, 79 kilometers total. Wow. That's if impressive. I remember correctly, yeah, I think it, it was 79. Um, and just recently, I did the first endurance test with my XUIV clouds. Uh, that was 64 minutes. And after that, I got too cold and bored and I landed. Um, and I think it managed to get 80 kilometers or something with just just a third of the battery. 
Wow. <laughs> wow. That's built for autonomous flight then, because you can't maintain focus in FPV yeah. for that time. Yeah, especially not with the goggles on the whole time. Uh, this is a three-hour flight plane, uh, so uh, yeah. <laughs> you usually do that in autonomous modes. Often when I fly, fly long range without waypoint missions, I just put it into uh, 3D cruise mode, just send it into a heading, and then sometimes I take away the goggles, just relax a little bit, then watch, okay, everything is fine. I have my telemetry on the radio, I see what the plane is doing if it keeps altitude. So this is uh, the easiest way then. This episode was recorded in front of a live online audience, downloaded and edited to make sense when it's played audio only, censored to please the iTunes people, hosted on the internet, forwarded through to your podcast provider, downloaded, playing on your device, and is now playing in your ears, all thanks to our Patreons. Consider joining them and you'll also get other online benefits. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash let's drone out. But yeah, some some impressive distance records you've managed to achieve here. Just absolutely fantastic. And taking quite a gamble on things like the 2G module, there's no really great way to field test it other than just put it in a wing and send it. So kudos, you know, very impressive. Uh, In the meantime, or nowadays, we have stuff to test it actually without going to the field. And I think that's maybe a good good point to... Uh, where we could transition to the new INAV6 stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, because there we have a nice feature where we actually can test stuff on the bench like we would do in flight without risking anything. The possibility to test your interesting software configuration without trashing hundreds of choose your denomination of wing and hardware. Fascinating. Do yeah. tell us. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I think we, then we should start with that point. Uh, INAV6 will get a new feature or has a new feature um, that is called a- HITL simulation. So you have a complete hardware in the loop simulation. That's why I showed you this uh, F765 mm. with just a receiver connected before. Okay. Uh, what you can do with that is you connect the flight controller via USB with your PC. And then you start the X-Plane flight simulator. It's a really physical simulated flight simulator um, with a specific, specifically for that purpose designed okay. uh, plane, basically a virtual RC plane uh, as a plugin. And uh, as, as soon as you start or you load the uh, world with that plane, it will give you a message to connect to a flight controller that's connected to the PC. Okay. And what, what's happening here is that the uh, X-plane completely simulates the real airplane while the flight controller is doing the calculations and all the stuff okay. it can do. Including GPS position, everything? Within- Everything. Wow. Everything. Okay. GPS position, uh, compass, uh, heading, uh, even the physics is simulated, like G-forces if you do turns. You can tell X-plane to give you uh, a side wind and you can make sure that your plane can fly okay with the side yeah. wind. And that's incredible. Exactly. So it's 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 basic. For, for the flight controller, it, it controls a real RC plane. There's no difference. I can even use uh, INAV radar, for example, uh, mm. put uh, have someone else with X-plane on the same area or a second PC, also with X-plane, also with a flight controller, also with INAV radar. And even that w- would work with each other. And you could see the other plane on your OSD in the uh, flight simulator. What's the interface that it uses? Because presumably you've got to feed it gyro data, accelerometer data, GPS, everything. Yeah. This this all runs over the MSP protocol. And the pl- the pl- there's basically code in INAV um, that accepts the simulated data and basically bypasses the IMU and ah, all the sensors. Okay. It just takes over the does sensor it move uh, servers output. And it bypasses the ESCs or does it bypass the outputs too? Mm, it also bypasses the outputs, so all outputs are disabled. And unfortunately, in X-Plane, we cannot uh, simulate servo movement. So X-Plane just gets pitch, roll, yaw inputs and throttle oh, okay. inputs from the flight controller back. So no real servo So you assume the mixer still works on the flight controller? Uh, the mixer doesn't even matter. You can set up... I think you need at least a pitch, roll, yaw mix mm. set up, but it doesn't matter what servo you set it to. It just have to be there, so the controls are sent to uh, oh, okay. to explain. So it takes the the RC um, 
the RC controls, it doesn't take the mixed controls to the servos and motors. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So you can you can basically set up your plane and check even even on a non-development basis if you're thinking about like setting up your radio you could put all your modes on you could check you know is auto launch gonna in what happens if i press this is my return to home on the right switch that sort of thing yeah oh that sounds Absolutely. really cool exactly you can use it That's for incredible. that i i even used it i i was just for fun planning a long-range mission a one-way trip mission um over a very big distance and i run that mission just in x-plane first to just see if i have ground clearance everywhere so i don't mess up the waypoints so i load the mission into x uh, into the flight controller run it on x-plane everything is fine and then i know if i use the same mission file loaded on my rear plane it will work exactly the same so x-plane takes real um google earth or google map data does it so you know all your height maps and stuff uh it it is based on the real world. It's not uh, not with an online connection, so the worlds are stored offline. Ah. Basically, a classic older uh, flight simulator. It's not like Microsoft Flight Simulator that, that uses real time satellite imaging. So it, it doesn't have uh, have the, the detail level of uh, Flight Simulator twenty twenty, for example. Okay, so you don't get you don't get fake buildings appearing, <laughs> but but you still got basically your height map. You, you, so them... you know if you're flying and like there's yeah. a mountain in the way you're going to hit it unless you go up for example and you can you can try out yeah. your flight plans and adjust them and and then when you go and do it in real life you've already done it like half a dozen times you know you're good yeah you also you also see uh, virtual power lines in the in the oh, uh, plane because they, they they created this uh, simulated world uh, based on real satellite data just narrowed it down in the low resolution stuff so it doesn't blow up your ssd and um, a lot of things I would say everything that was in the real world five, six, seven years ago, that's maybe the date of these uh, map information uh, will be in the simulator as well. So yeah, that's that's, that's one incredible. of the uh, cool features of INAF uh, 6. And, and as Darren just said in the, in the chat, it uh, really is a very crucial tool now for the INAF development. And uh, that's also where we come to the other features that will come now. A lot of that stuff was just tested in the simulator first and then compared to the real world. And it's so close to realistic uh, if, if you compare it, especially the navigation system changes mm -hmm. we made. Um, when you- It's an interesting um, unit test. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's for example, a new feature let me share you uh, my screen again quickly. Um, fixed wing waypoint course tracking and uh, turn smoothing. What it basically does is for waypoint missions, you come from that direction from a previous waypoint. Here is your current waypoint. And in that direction, there is the new waypoint. What INAF can do now, it is it can plan the turns ahead instead of just hitting it and then looking for the next one. Um, so one... There are two methods you can set up. One is that the uh, waypoint will be flown on the outside uh, of the actual waypoint. This is an old variant here, so it was changed uh, a bit later. Or you can just cut the corner on the inside. And this is just stuff where you change the navigation system uh, when it really helps to simulate that first. Because sometimes you make a change, then you need to test it. You have to drive out, you have to go to the field, you have to set up everything up, you have to fly, you test it, then you know, was it a, if it doesn't work as expect, expected, was it maybe a plane issue, was it the wind, was it something else? No, you just flash it to the flight controller, test it in the simulator, now it's not working, okay, then another change. It's so much easier to do things like that with, with this feature. And basically, this is, by the way, this uh, change, how it works now. Uh, INAF is able to navigate on the actual waypoint track instead of just pointing at the waypoint and plan smooth turns. Of course, it will not do smooth, really smooth turns if the uh, angles are that tight as here. But if you have angles like this, it will go on the outside, for example, then back on the path track, on the outside, back on the track. And the same accounts for the cut method that just makes nice smooth turns on the inside and exactly follows the track. And this was even with wind enabled in the simulator. That's pretty cool. This is, this is basically also the way uh, autopilot can navigate and now INAF can do. <laughs> what, 
Is INAV trying to become Ardupilot or is it trying to seek some identity nah. that is different to Ardupilot here? Nah, I think the the biggest difference uh, still is, and that will hopefully ever be the difference. Um, INAV flies different. INAV just feels different on the sticks. Um, you can you can uh, compare it if you fly autopilot. Autopilot feels if you fly in acro mode, for example, feels feels like a video game. It doesn't matter. You can go full throttle. You move the stick at a certain range. The plane does exactly the same movement like with low throttle and lower speeds. It's way more consistent. Um, and I think it's less uh, nice to fly with autopilot, especially in acrobatic things or uh, you do proximity stuff, you fly through gaps. It doesn't matter if it's a quad or a fixed ring. It, you don't just have that flight feel uh, with autopilot like you have with other flight controllers. Einaf tries to uh, fly fixed rings the way like uh, you would fly it without a flight controller in, in it if you are in acro mode, for example. It just assists you a little bit with the pit controller, but mostly it's the same control scheme like with no flight controller at all. And that's mostly the big difference. Of course, Autopilot has so many more features uh, for uh, safety stuff. They have their possibility to get uh, their stuff certified for industrial use, for uh, safety applications, all this kind of stuff. Uh, INAV is never intended to do that, uh, things like that. You think Autopilot, you have to say the word over-engineered at some point, don't you? There's a lot to it. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. They they really concentrate on their uh, feature set, on their reliability, on their precision, especially for navigation stuff, uh, less on the usability, I would say. And, I mean, just the configurator proves that. Yes, indeed. Um, since we've yeah. got you here, would you like to try and diagnose my launching? <laughs> that last week... <laughs> was it last week? Was it? I can't remember. It was bloody cold. And I went out to try and retest. I can't find it now. Could you feel one your of, fingers? Because I think we might have wings. figured out what the problem is. Yeah, it, it could be that. And I had a successful launch the first time. And then I completely uh, lost my video signal, which is a problem. Um, so I'll show you what that looked like. Here's, here's, here's number one launch. And uh, we're auto-launching. I get on the sticks pretty quickly because I'm I, usually I launch with goggles. But in this case... Launched line of sight, put my goggles on, and I said, "Oh, this is looking a bit a bit crap on the VTX." And then the signal went completely because, it, as it turned out, my MMCX adapter had fallen out, um, and then I was left with that. Oh, that! But then, that could a quad and a GoPro recently for me. Yeah, here's my other two launches. Blue. What? We throw them, <laughs> we go upside down, and we land on on the nose. See, Jack, Sticky um, Jack's Glue Emporium. The world needs it. That's what we need. We are, I think I know could, why. Could okay, can, can you go back to it? Yeah. There's one. Yeah, I, I know why. Go on then. Because you bumped, you bumped the sticks when you, when you threw it. It went directly after it left your hand out of auto launch into horizon mode. Well, mm -hmm. I, th I thought that on the first one. If I, if I bring that back, I, I can get it on the first one because I, I see it go from angle... And it, it goes to Horizon. But in the second one, how do we play this slower? Let's see if we can do it. We're doing the throw. And it's still an angle. And it's in Horizon click, now. Now it's out, it's out of angle. It's way too fast. Okay. It's way too, it's way too fast. It went, went out of, uh, out of uh, auto launch. Also on your first of your on your first uh, on your first launch when you when you launched it uh, and then have taken over. If auto launch is set up correctly, you don't have to take over. You just throw it, then you turn around and you go to the to your chair. I'm so used to doing <laughs> it. Where you sit because I wear glasses. What? Normally, I launch with my goggles on, so I'm launching blind. You know the thing: arm, throttle in the mouth, up, throw, get back on the sticks immediately, and sort it out. But I haven't I haven't got to grips with letting INAV take over stuff very well. There's a there's a feature in the auto launch settings uh, where you can force you to do the right thing, and this is a minimum launch time you can set. And I set that on all my planes to two seconds. So 
after the launch is triggered for two seconds every stick input on the radio is ignored by enough well that's interesting so you cannot, cannot accidentally uh, accidentally bump the radio and abort the launch procedure writing that one down also it was cold and i'm probably shivering <laughs> so i'm doing that and i think that would cause the gimbals to move then some people like like very loose gimbals especially quad pilots like that and then it just sometimes is enough to shake the radio when you launch it and that aborts the auto launch and the plane lands in the door it is it is interesting leaving it completely to the auto even back in the olden days when i remember the the my fly dream autopilot was being used that had an auto launch there was a challenge we set up with two of my friends. They had to auto-launch their planes. They leave their radios on the thing. They go and throw them. And whoever could walk back the coolest without looking at their plane was the winner. And even though they were in competition and being filmed, one of them broke into a run instantly and grabbed his radio because it, it's a hard thing to let go of that sort <laughs> so of So with auto-launch, if any of the sticks move at all, it breaks out of auto-launch. There's not a threshold. As soon as the stick registers a change... Well, that's what this time thing um, is. I think there is there is a threshold. I think uh, Darren might know it better. Uh, it's twenty percent deflection in each direction. Fifteen or twenty percent is the uh, new default uh, threshold. So yeah, if you if you do the auto launch, uh, one second, let me. Caroline's got the way to do it. Like video. you just like just toughen up. Just leave the TX on the chair. Don't what even I hold could it. Do, you're not it's even not bothered. Just leave the TX on the chair. I could do a hold both wings and do the over the head launch. And that that's proper commitment then, isn't it? Also, it's a better launch because you're not doing a side throw. Yeah. It's good for your back. Stretch you out. You don't want to get all cramped up when you're flying. So not sure if you have seen that video. I, uh, I I made that video uh, how to basically launch a Delta Ring because Delta Rings are harder to launch than a normal LC plane. And as you can see here, I go for the throw. Okay, first I explain a few like things. Like a trained athlete. Look at him. Look at him. Lining up the throw. <laughs> Whoop. And then it just goes away. So if it, if the plane is tuned well, the PIDFF control or the just the auto-tune is, is completely fine. And uh, auto-launch is set up properly. There's nothing more you, you have to do, basically. Uh, there's the over-the-head. Going for the, the big... Like, oh, yeah. yeah. The big hurl. Really give it a month. Yeah, it's, yeah. The, the, this is basically my uh, explanation part already. This is the to the moon maneuver. Yeah, the, the, this this wing's always been a pain. It's it's the the flux wing made by I can't remember who makes it, but it's very very narrow wings, and it takes a little while to get going. So it needs a, a hefty throw. Uh, the f the flybot flux. Yeah. Yeah, a friend of mine has that, uh, and even that ring we usually launch overhead. Yeah. Although it's so small, but because you have so much, uh, the weight distribution is weird because the rings are very, very light, but that carbon frame in the center is so heavy, it's very hard to throw it uh, with a side toss without spinning it, actually. So that's why we usually throw it either overhead or just grab it with one hand and then at the nose and just put it over the head with one hand. Yeah, I think, I think I'm going to go with overhead stuff. I don't have a problem with foam wings thrown with one hand. And just sitting back and watching it go in the air. It's just these uh, the the flybot ones. Are, they are weird, but they're quite quick. So I, I wanted to get a wing for wing racing next year because I promised I would do some wing racing, and I thought it's quite fast. So, so that uh, might do a it. Slightly but unhelpful tip from Jojo. Because after there. I threw it in the mud three times, <laughs> it stopped working because it was like, oh, my VTX is full of water right now, and I don't work anymore. So I had to stop there and go home. <laughs> Yeah, that that comment from Jojo uh, is, is interesting. Uh, I think he refers to um, was it was it Adam G or I think it was Adam G who built his big track and he launched it for the f I think it was the first time and then he was looking for the plane walking back to his transmitter and stepped on the radio <laughs> and this aborted the launch and in the time he needed to pick it up the plane went full throttle down into a fence and was I'm looking for it that had video some right now <laughs> damn it I, I'd like, I'm literally <laughs> looking for it as we speak 
It's like, oh man, <laughs> who who was it again? Adam G. Yeah, Adam G. Yeah, what was it? I thought it was the Drac, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's a serious Drac. Yeah, oh, yeah. Very yeah. expensive to grow. And people wonder why I haven't been in a rush to build these wings. Like with a quad, like how do you launch a quad? Well, I plug the battery in, I leave it next to my foot, <laughs> and I just whammy the throttle hard enough that it isn't on the ground anymore. And that's it. <laughs> The biggest problem with a quad is launching too gently and doing that embarrassing sort of forward tip and then chewing up the grass and just getting stuck upside down. That's That slightly reminds me of, of my friend with the Powerline video, Jack, where he was flying around and then oh, his Halloween transmitter special. battery ran out and he thought, not a problem, I'll put it into circle mode or whatever and I'll just... <laughs> changed my batteries and he took the batteries out and this this thing's fail safe wasn't set up right so he's like oh you mean continue on my path and off it went and he couldn't get the batteries back in quickly oh. enough to get it back am and i allowed this... to play that video yeah play the play the video somehow it went on for like seven miles and went through the middle of power lines without touching any have you got it there jack and you can yeah hang on. Well, we, should, we featured this as our halloween clip a couple of years ago we oh, did. Mark, have you done this as well? Was it your clip? <laughs> I did. No, it was not my clip, but I did the same. And it was 14 kilometers. It Ooh. flew until it crashed because of that battery. And I found it back. Uh, well, I got it back three months later. <laughs> oh, you got it back at all. It's a minor miracle there. All right, ready? Uh, yep. I've got it. I don't know what the sound's going to be like. But I don't think we necessarily need sound, but oh, yeah, we, here we are. The sound is fantastic because you can hear the sound of electricity. Everything's normal. Everything's fine. Jeez. <laughs> Nothing wrong here. It's all fine. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, somehow after after seven miles and the battery being out, this thing calmly glided down on its flyby wire one way. Gentlest possible landing. Pilot. And did a perfect landing, better landing than we would have had at the field, right? I, I'm assuming. <laughs> this this is really crazy. <laughs> that is that is one of the most scariest things. That makes my penis want to crawl up inside myself. <laughs> like. That, that, that was what, by the way, also when I was completely fresh in, in the hobby uh, and I built my first AR ring, I just finished basically the setup and the tuning as far as my knowledge w was back then. Uh, that's basically an, an auto-tune <laughs> that was it and uh, I wanted to test waypoint missions but my FlySky radio has so short distance um, or so short range that uh, I thought hey what would happen if I disable the face safe and say do nothing and then uh, I went out flew the waypoint mission it wasn't anything bad first. I flew the waypoint mission, but every time I turned off the radio, the good thing is with these FlySky radios, they are back on in two seconds, not like half a minute until uh, OpenTX has <laughs> booted. Um, so I turned off the radio, and then, okay, the plane went out of uh, out of uh, waypoint mode, back into acro, so it was slowly going down, and I turned it back on, catched it, and said, okay, it's not working. Then instead, let's test how long the battery lasts. I went into 3D cruise mode and I flew around in cruise mode and then suddenly I went behind a few trees. Here we are. And lost That's connection. That's how an expert does it. You see that? Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. Oh, there you are. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Oh, oh yeah. And, and you see... Just you, you see the cringe in his shoulders and you, and you hear the impact. I think you hear the impact yeah, in the video. Yeah, the see that front. again? Watch it. He's, he's absolutely got control of the situation. There he is. Look, he knows exactly. No, he doesn't know anything. Oh, he's destroyed it. There's, there's even time for him to go like this and put his hands on his head. Like, what have I done? Just before the fight goes in. <laughs> Oops. This became more on those trees than it did on doing a good throw. So we heard the arm. Interesting foot throttle method. At this moment, what's going through my mind is that wasn't a very good throw. Quickly, let's get back to the transmitter. And here was my biggest mistake. Like a clumsy idiot, I'll go and step on the transmitter and I must have kicked the elevator stick and therefore cancelled auto launch. 
you can see at this point, it's actually a good angle of attack and it would have recovered if I hadn't kicked the transmitter. But you'll see in a second the drastic change in angle. I think the important thing is he saved money by not spending three quid on the next strap. Once I finally got the transmitter in my hands, I'm looking well up and I'm actually expecting this point. it to be above the tree somewhere and wondering why I can't see it. Just remember that all of this happens within the space of three or four seconds. At this point, there's not really much I can do. I drop the throttle when I see where it is, but within a split second, it's already hit the fence. Oh. And then here's that same instant again from the Ooh. DVR recording. And at the very last frame that you see here before it completely cuts out, <laughs> you can see I was doing 142 kilometers an hour on impact. And then it went back in time. just over 88 miles per hour. <laughs> I knew so here are a few pictures it's a remarkably of the damage from that incident. As you can see, the nose has snapped clean off. But it's not that bad considering what happened. I think if it had been any other plane, it would have been absolute complete. Adam G, yeah. you legend. Next straps. Guys. I've seen. Uh, I I was in a I was in a ring uh, on a hobby ring race event, and uh, with my first AR ring back then, and I have seen an S eight hundred split in half by one of the wires that held these big inflatable gates up. Well, the guide wire. You hit the wire. Yeah, the, these these guide wires that hold the gates uh, vertical, and he hit that wire at around 100 kilometers per hour. Uh, it was one plane coming in, two planes coming out. <laughs> no way! Oh. That's going to be amazing to see. That would have been amazing on video. Film everything, no matter how mundane you think it is. Mm -hmm. Just in case, uh, I, I have it on video, but uh, I can't remember the title right now uh, to to look for it. That's very impressive. So, yeah, uh, want to get back to a few of the new INAF stuff? Yeah, or? yeah. So we're about to drop version six, right? So it's uh, all new, all new. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we talked about the uh, navigation stuff, waypoint stuff uh, with smoother path tracking, all that stuff. And the biggest improvement in 6.0 is the so-called AHRS centrifugal force compensation. Uh, the AHRS is the attitude heading reference system. That's basically the code in the flight controller that INAF has, Betaflight has, Autopilot has, every flight controller has, um, to use the sensor data and uh, calculate how the current attitude of the craft is relative to the ground and relative to the earth, basically. And the biggest problem of Nearly all flight controllers, not only INAF, also others like Betaflight, I've even seen it on uh, on Vector, uh, is so-called horizon drift, and that's basically uh, just as an explanation for the for the uh, um, viewers. Uh, that's basically if you make turns or if you change direction or change speed, you have g-forces induced, and the flight controller or the IMU cannot distinguish between the gravity and these g-forces. And if these g-forces go to any side direction or to the front or to the back, uh, the accelerometer thinks, uh, in quotes, uh, that this is the actual gravity direction and realigns the artificial horizon yeah. to that new gravity vector. And this is called horizon drift. And if you fly in any navigation mode or in any flight mode that uh, works with self-leveling, this self-leveling is aligned to that now tilted horizon. And this was especially on INAF a very big problem in uh, in the past uh, because the way the INAF AHRS worked uh, was it was too much relying on the accelerometer. This was mitigated in INAF 2.4 or 2.5 to reduce the drift, but it was never completely uh, resolved. But finally, there was one uh, developer who came uh, from Japan uh who said okay let's go on that issue uh and he is the one who understands the code of INAF well enough especially the uh IMU code the sensor code uh he understands the math behind this algorithm that is needed and he yeah, he had the coding skills to completely fix that by using the GPS data 
to uh, to estimate how much g-force is currently applied to the plane or to the quad while doing a turn and with knowing that how much g-force and in what direction these g-forces are, um, are applied to the craft he can remove these from the calculations of the gravity vector so the uh, craft now always knows where the ground is where down is and we have no horizon drift anymore so this is why if you put the horizon lines up in beta flight or other quad firmware and you do lots of aggressive acro moves it takes a while for them to catch up they sort of flutter around and go crazy and then they settle down and inav if you were on a very long bank turn it would lose track of where down was because it would just start to normalize exactly. down as being the direction that you weren't accelerating in and and it would kind of put down away from the direction you're turning exactly we had actually two approaches uh, from two independent developers they started that project at the same time the other approach was to just get the code from autopilot <laughs> what they do uh, and completely port it over to INAF and that was a lot of work but there uh, were a few remaining issues this developer unfortunately could not resolve uh, so it was perfectly fine in navigation modes but as soon as you had strong winds um, that changes your ground speed depending on your direction very strongly or if you fly uh, aerobatics like loopings or a lot of rolls then uh, the AHRS was completely confused and it was just not working as well as we hoped for. So the second uh, approach that was using the old INAF AHRS and just update that one with the needed math from ground uh, program from ground up, that was the way to go. And this is how it's uh, done and implemented now in INAF 6. Nice. And that's also the reason why the INAF 6 feature preview 1 was released uh, because INAF 6 was delayed to March. Usually it would have been released in December. But it was de uh, delayed to March because of a lot of other uh, features that were not ready yet. And uh, Pavel, um, Darren and I, we decided, hey, we need to test that thoroughly. So we made that uh, feature preview release mostly just because we want to see this AHRS flown in the field tested and uh, looked for the re reliability and stability so is this the headline feature for version 6 then to solve this yeah absolutely okay yeah that's why the inaf 6 uh, nickname is horizon hawk <laughs> got, it. got it so yeah and uh, there are also a ton of smaller features uh, coming maybe not implemented yet for example one nice thing for very big craft uh, is this would also have helped uh, Adam G for his launch. Uh, a nice little feature that uh, Darren programmed uh, after my idea was uh, is wiggle to wake launch idle. <laughs> so what you basically do if you have auto launch set up and you have idle throttle also set up where the motor already spins before you throw the plane, um, you can trigger the idle throttle by wiggling the tail of the plane. You basically do a yaw movement left right i think two times left right left right so you grab it and just do that and then throw it exactly and this will trigger the idle throttle so then the motors will spin up and then you can just throw it um there was a feature with a timed idle before where you can set up i think up to 60 seconds delay after you throttle up the timer runs and then after the set time the idle throttle starts but that's had, that has some downside for example when i when i launch my big uh, xuiv clouds it's a, it's a 1.9 meter plane that's uh, four and a half kilos and if it goes to idle the idle is just 50 percent but this plane makes already four to four and a half kilogram of thrust when it's just an idle throttle so i have it like here and then i realize oh shit, i forgot to turn on the uh, hd camera yeah you cannot abort it because the timer is running and uh, in the last three seconds or so the beep changes but if you if you want to abort it it takes me longer than three seconds to put the plane back down and cut the throttle so i had to launch and with that new feature i can say okay i throttle up and i can take all my time pick the plane up hold it in position wiggle the tail two times and then motor spool up and i can throw can you wiggle it again to stop it? Yeah. If you wiggle the tail and they'll be like, oh, no, turn on the no, GoPro. If, 
Nah, then it's too late. Okay. <laughs> as, as soon as idle throttle uh, kicks in uh, and you don't have the radio in your hand, uh, you have to launch. You, you really need neck straps. I mean, I think a lot of these problems are solved with neck straps. And I know neck straps are not always comfortable, but get a nice comfortable neck strap. When, you, when you're using bit. both hands and you've got a nice. neck strap, you, you risk that moving because launching a plane can be quite physical. And if that one of those gimbals then gets moved you're you're in adam g situation where you're flying a plane and it's just going out of control before you can get back on it radio on your stomach you throw the plane oops on the end that was the arm switch for example so you disarm by accident you mean yeah yeah you could disarm by accident if the radio turns around on your on your belly uh, and you hit you hit the, uh, any switch and also the last ne next trap i used and that was when i stopped using them uh basically killed my radio because the loop uh opened up and the radio fell down on the street oh. funny enough it was the fr sky next trap maybe that was the reason <laughs> that'll do it built with quality yeah i, I used an fr sky next trap on my uh, tx16 radio so that wasn't good <laughs> yeah guys uh that is all we've got time for you've been listening to let's show now uh the show is uh sponsored uh by our lovely patreons thank you guys so much for everything you do you guys rule uh it keeps the show going uh you've been joined by mark from the inav thanks for letting me be here thank you you've been a great guest Really appreciate it. There's some really good insight. Really enjoyed tonight. The time just yeah. flew by. We'll have to um, try and catch up with the INF crew once version 6 drops and we can tell ex exactly what made it into version 6 and what didn't and what's going to mm -hmm. be queued up for the next release as well. So we'll catch up. Version 6 sounds exciting. Totally. Yeah. 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 You're joined by everyone's favorite, Cody Kitten. Goodbye. The man with the mustache, Stephen. Thanks very much. Good night. I know being bright until I fly when you've been listening to Left Drone Out. Tune in live at 8 p.m. UK time every Thursday to watch us on YouTube. If not, listen to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts. Wherever you get your podcasts, it'll be there. Podcasts everywhere. What's that one that your daughter was horrified that we were on? Spotify. She said, you can't be on there. That's only proper stuff. And when we were there, it sort of devalued it a little bit for her. <laughs> she just crunched up her phone, stuck it in the blender, and flushed it down the toilet. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night. Telemetry lost.